Uh, last week we started a new series called What's Going On, and I told you it's not going to be several weeks in a row. I'm going to break it up throughout the fall because there's some kind of heavy stuff in this, and I didn't want us to get stuck for several weeks with that heaviness. Uh, but last week I talked about what's going on with people. What's going on with people? Now, here's what's going to happen in this series. Each week it builds on the foundation that's laid. So I'm going to take a minute and go back and talk a little bit about what we taught last week because it's a part of our foundation. And I want to encourage you, if you miss a week in this series, go back and listen to it. If you're not here on a Sunday and you can't catch it online, take the time during the week to go back and hear the messages because they keep building from thought to thought and area to area. And last week, I really broke the message into three pieces. First, I told two people stories. Actually, it's God and people stories. The first two God people stories in the Bible. We talked about Adam and Eve, and it's a story of deception where they believed we can be God over our own lives, and it led them into rebellion against God. And then we talked about Cain and Abel, and Cain took on this attitude of compromise that says, I'll give God what I want to give him, and he'll have to be happy with it. And that led him into rebellion, and God would not accept his sacrifice. And the history of mankind since then has really been shaped by these two stories. Deception lies which we swallow and it leads us into rebellion against God. And compromise which also leads us into rebellion against God. And then we talked about truth. Truth. What is truth? We read from John 17 when Jesus was praying for his disciples then and us today as well. And in that prayer, Jesus prayed that we would be separated from the kingdom of the world. He talked about two kingdoms, God's kingdom and the kingdom of the world. And he said that God would separate us. And he prayed, Father, separate them by truth. And your word is truth. What Jesus said was, as we learn God's truth and live out God's truth, it separates us from the kingdom of the world. And then... I talked third of all last week about three important finishing thoughts. Number one, we need to learn and know God's truth, God's word. Number two, we need to embrace it for ourselves and say, this will be my truth. Then number three, I need to live out that truth. So that was last week's message in a nutshell. Now, before I dive in, we're going to look at Romans chapter one today. We're going to spend a lot of time there. So if you want to get a head start and turn there, you can. Romans chapter 1. But I got a lot of feedback from last week's message. And you know what, what most of the feedback was about? My impersonation of Marvin Gaye. <laughs> and I know some of you say, well, I'm going back next Sunday because I want to hear that again. Well, I'm going to tell you what. You're going to be disappointed because if you weren't here last week, you'll have to go online to listen to the message and hear it. If you were here and you want to hear it again, you're going to have to wait and buy my greatest hits CD. It'll be coming out in a few weeks. You'll be able to get it on iTunes and all that. So today I want to talk about what's going on with our society. What's going on with our society? I made a statement. I think it was first service last week. I didn't say it in the second service. But I, I made the statement about our world, our nation, our society. Throughout history, 
When nations reject truth, they begin to build on a foundation that's going to crumble. And eventually, that nation will fall apart. And it's true of America as well. Now, if you remember last week, I gave you a disclaimer. How many remember, remember the disclaimer? Three or four of you. See, most of you were so caught up in that Marvin Gaye thing, you didn't even hear what I said about, about the disclaimer. The disclaimer was, God has put his spirit upon me and called me and given me authority to lead this church. But he hasn't given me the authority over any other church. Just our church. So different churches may see certain scriptures differently, teach it differently. Part of the reason why I'm doing this series is I want everybody who calls the bridge home to know this is what we believe and this is how we're going to face the future based on God's word, how we understand it. So number one, I can only set the policy, the standard, the beliefs for this church. I can't do it for any other church in town. The second thing, and this is a new disclaimer, all right? Everybody smile at me. They <laughs> say disclaimer, and it's like, well, here on TV. At the end of the mortgage commercial, the disclaimer, they say it real fast so you don't know what it says. It's like the small print. This is bold print, so I want you to hear this. As we teach today, I'm going to show you from God's word the difference between God's standards and standards of the world's kingdom. I'm going to talk about truth for a little bit. Before I get there, I want everybody to hear this. I don't hate anybody. I don't hate anybody. And I'm not a hater. We as a church, we're not haters. And if we share God's word and, and you have a problem with God's word, please understand we're simply trying to follow God to the fullest and to the best of our ability. We take all of his word seriously. And if you don't like something we teach and, and you say, well, I don't see it that way. Well, don't get angry at us and call us haters, please. Because we're not haters. We're trying to help people grasp God's word, understand it, and then show them how to let God's word shape our lives. So we're going to dive into some things about our society today that are going to make all of us a little bit uncomfortable. It's going to make us stop and think because in our society today, there's a lot of change happening. Now, I told you last week, and I'll go back to it, I'm old enough now, and I know how long I want to live, so I'm now in midlife. I've hit that point. I've lived long enough that I've seen a lot of change in our nation. Chuck, where are you? Chuck Boatman, where are you? Chuck's got, what, 86 years behind him? Have you seen any change in our nation in those 86 years? A little bit. How many of you have seen change in our nation in the last three or four years? See, things are evolving. Things are changing. Some of it may be good. Some of it we know is not good by looking at God's Word. I want to dive into some things that are straight from God's Word that are going to address where we are as a society today. So Romans chapter 1, the first 15 verses, Paul is really introducing himself to the Roman church and writing to them and sharing some of his thoughts. It's kind of the introduction. Verse 16, he really gets into the message. So I want you to notice what he says. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God that leads to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, also for the Greek. Verse 17, for in it, in the gospel, in the word of God, in God's truth, the righteousness of God is revealed 
from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, I want to start here today because I want us to understand God's word, his truth leads us to a saving knowledge of Christ and it leads us into this thing we call new birth and salvation. But then it also begins to encourage us to follow God one step at a time as we grow in knowledge and grow in our faith. Faith comes to us from God's word. That's what scripture says. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So faith comes to us from God's word, which is truth. And then faith motivates us to live out God's word and God's truth in every day of life. So God's truth begins to shape our lives and we live from faith to faith. Every time I learn a new principle from God's word, I'm challenged to believe it and live it out in my everyday life. That's the life of faith. Now, I want to pause here at the end of this verse because we're going to come back to Romans 1, but I got to show you a couple things. So if you've got a literal Bible, keep your place because we're coming back here. The problem is not everyone in the world is going to recognize truth and embrace truth. Not everybody will. It's true of the world. Not everybody wants God's truth, wants to embrace it, and wants to live by it. In 2 Corinthians 4, Paul is talking about this, and you don't need to turn there. I'm going to give you the, the summary of it. But in 2 Corinthians 4, Paul's talking about the fact that as we live our lives walking with God, our lifestyle has an effect on other people. As they watch us, their conscience from time to time can be tapped, even pricked, as they watch our lifestyles and they realize, wow, they're living differently from me. And then they find out that's because I believe something from God's word that shaped my life. And when that happens, people either want to know more about God or they want to know less about God and they push it away. Paul said this is always happening. And I'll get into this more next week about what's going on in the church in our world. But Paul says this. He says the problem is the God of this world, Satan has blinded people's eyes. There's a veil over their hearts. They don't understand. And because they don't want to accept all of God's truth, it blinds them to the principles of God's truth. And he said the reason people don't believe is because they've been blinded by Satan to truth. Now, that's not Pastor Gary's thoughts. That's the word of God. Now, the God of this world has blinded people they cannot be changed by God's truth unless they embrace that truth. And if they're blind to it and don't believe it's truth, they're not going to embrace it and their life isn't going to be changed. That's just the way life goes. That's the way society goes. But then I want to take it one step further because you need this clarity. And I am going to read these verses. And if you've got a Bible, turn there. Luke chapter 12. We'll have it on the screen. I want to show you that something Jesus said about truth. And every believer needs to understand this. Luke 12, verse 51. Now I'm going to jump in the middle of what Jesus is teaching here. But notice what he says. Luke 12, verse 51. Jesus asked the question, Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? Now stop just a minute. Jesus says to the people, Do you suppose I came to bring peace on earth? Isn't that what the angel said when Jesus was born? Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. 
What they were saying was, to those who will respond to the message, this will bring the peace of God into your life. But it's not going to bring peace to the whole earth. Jesus said, do you suppose I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather, what? Division. The word division in the original writings means disunion of opinion and conduct. Jesus said, my truth is going to divide people. Some are going to go this way, some are going to go this way. It'll be a difference in a way of thinking and a difference of lifestyle. The two can't walk together. The Old Testament prophet made the statement, two can't walk together unless they're in agreement. So Jesus said, my life, my message, God's truth is going to divide people. Well, isn't that what Jesus prayed? Father, sanctify them by your truth. Separate them. It's the same kind of word. Separate them. Divide them from the world kingdom and let them live out a life of truth that the world has rejected. So that's what going on, what's going on in society. Now look at the next verse, 52, because this is important. Jesus said, for from now on, five in one house will be divided. Three against two, two against three. This affects families. Verse 53, father will be divided against son and son against father. Mother against daughter, daughter against mother. Mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. What is Jesus saying? Jesus saying, is saying truth cuts all the way down, not just from the top through society. It cuts all the way down to individual families because truth divides. Because when God gives us truth, it's a dividing line and I have to get on one side or the other. Now, I told you the story a long time ago. A lot of you probably didn't hear it. I had a friend years ago who was a traveling preacher and Every night after church, he would go into this diner and, and, and eat dinner and then go on back to his room. And one night, there's this guy in there, this state trooper, big guy, and he was real loud and real boisterous and raunchy, and his, his words were horrible, and he was flirting with the waitresses, talking horribly, on and on and on. And he said, I put up with that that night for a long time. And finally, this, this state trooper looked down at him and said, well, friend, what are you doing here? And he said, well, I'm here on business. I'm staying in the hotel across the street, so I've been eating here every night. He said, well, what kind of business are you in? He said, well, I, actually, I'm a, I'm a preacher. I'm a minister. I've been preaching at church here in town. And all of a sudden, this, this state trooper's demeanor changed. He said, oh, well, I'm a religious man of sorts myself. And my friend looked at him and smiled and said, really? He said, yeah, yeah. He said, but, but you know, my daddy taught me that I'm, I'm kind of a fence-riding Christian. You know, we ride the fence. We got our one foot in the world and one foot in God, and we just kind of ride the fence and cruise along and kind of do things the way we think we ought to. And my friend looked at him and said, well, friend, I don't know about you, but I'm from Texas. And down in Texas, our fences are made out of barbed wire. <laughs> he said, you may sit on the fence, but you won't sit there for long. You got to get on one side or the other. That's what truth does. It draws a line, and we have to choose, do I believe it or do I not believe it? God's truth has always been and still is a dividing line. And God's truth identifies righteousness and godliness, and it identifies unrighteousness and un ungodliness. And this 
line of truth demands that I choose on which side I'm going to live, on God's side or the side of the world. We have to choose. Now, let me show you one more thing before we go back to Romans 1. Proverbs 29. In the Old Testament, Solomon, who was the wisest man of his day, Solomon understood this conflict between good and evil, right and wrong, truth and lies. Here's what Solomon said. Proverbs 29, 27. An unjust man is an abomination to the righteous. The word abomination means morally disgusting. So the actions of an immoral man may be disgusting to someone who's trying to live a moral life. But then he goes on to say, and he who is upright in the way is morally disgusting to wicked people. There's a lot of anger in our society. A lot of anger. And you know what I've learned? There are a, a lot of angry people out there on both sides of the fence yelling and screaming at each other based on what they believe and which side of God's truth they've decided to live on. It's going on in our world. And a lot of us in the church are just want to be peacemakers and sit back and say, oh, I don't know what to do. I'm just keep my mouth shut and bite my fingernails and maybe everything's going to be okay eventually. This is the world in which we now live. It's our society today. But let me, let me show you something. Our society today is saying there are no moral absolutes. Which means God's word is not truth. It's just somebody's idea. That's what happened with Adam and Eve and then Cain. Deception and compromise which led to rebellion. And get this. When that started at the beginning with that one family, within 10 generations, God came down. He said, wickedness is rampant. And he said, I'm going to destroy everybody with the flood and start over. Because once wickedness and mistruth and lies are embraced, a society begins to spin and spiral downward. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Because he was a good man and a godly man. Now, when deception and compromise and rebellion goes unchecked, it leads down a darker path to destruction. Now, I know 75% of you are already uncomfortable. 25% of you are ready to cheer. No cheering in this message. No booing. We have a security team, so don't rush the platform, okay? But let's go back to Romans chapter 1, because I've got to show you some things. Romans chapter 1, we're going to pick it up where we stopped at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. The word wrath means the passion, the anger of God. And he's talking about throughout history how truth can be suppressed. He says this causes the wrath of God to be revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And notice the next phrase, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. The word suppress means to hold down the truth. 
In this verse of scripture, it doesn't just say that God gets angry with ungodliness. It says God really gets angry when people take the truth and say it's not the truth. That's not the truth. And yet we live in a society today that's trying to throw away much of God's moral truth. Then he goes on to say, in verse number 19, because what may be known of God is manifest. It's obvious in them. For God has shown it. God's made it clear to them. Now, pause here a moment. You say, what's he talking about? Psalm says that creation itself declares the glory of God. It takes a much larger step of faith to say that everything created came from two enzymes that collided than it does to say there's a creator out there. Creation says somebody did this. Somebody did this. It screams. When you look at different animals, when you look at insects, when you look at plant life, when you look at what God has created, if you can look at that and say, oh, nobody thought that through, that's that's a deep path to go down. And God says here in this passage of Scripture that his presence, God's presence was obvious because God showed it to them even in creation in looking at themselves. Verse 20, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes, his power, they're clearly seen being understood by the things that he made. It's what we call nature. We look at nature, we see the handiwork of God, and we understand there is a creator out there. But then it goes on to say, we see even his eternal power and his Godhead, his divinity. We know that there's a God. And so God says, they are without excuse. Anybody who says there is no God, God says there's no excuse because you have to ignore the obvious to come to that conclusion. Now, this is God's word. You say, well, and that's not what I learned at school. That, that's okay. Just, just hear me out. We're looking at scripture, okay? Verse 21. Because although they knew God or they knew he existed, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but they became futile, which literally means foolish. They became foolish in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened which means they became obscure and veiled. Remember what we read earlier that Paul said, people live in darkness because their eyes have been blinded to the truth. It's the same principle that he's laying out in Romans chapter 1. So he says, God's given us nature to show us himself. And God's given us nature to understand he's there. But yet people will look beyond that And not honor him as a God, not recognize him as God, but they begin to work to scratch God and his law out of their thinking. That's what's been going on since Adam and Eve and then Cain. He says they become futile, foolish in their thoughts, and their hearts become darker and darker. And then verse 22, professing to be wise, they became fools. And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Now, I want to pause here a minute. 
God said from the beginning, now remember, Paul's not writing to the Jewish people. He's writing to Gentiles, to the Romans. He said from the beginning, it's obvious that there is a God, but people didn't want to know what God thought. They wanted to do their own thing, so they darkened their hearts and moved away from whatever truth he would give them. What he's saying is this. Man began to replace God and his truth with other things. So they begin to make carved idols and images and said, this is my God. Adam and Eve swallowed Satan's lies and said, we don't need God. We can beat God. We make our own rules. Cain said, I don't need to follow God's instructions. I'll give him what I want to give him. He'll have to learn to like it because I'm God. You see, people create things to replace God. We live in a society today where truth is no longer valued, but it's being rejected everywhere you turn. And when truth is rejected, truth is replaced with lies. God established truth. Satan creates lies. Hebrews 6 tells us it's impossible for God to lie. Jesus said in John chapter 8 that Satan is the father of lies and there's no truth in him. But yet people will believe Satan's lies because they don't want to accept God's truth. That's what's going on in our society today. And these are truths established by God at creation. And then there are lies meant to destroy the knowledge of God and the rule of God in our lives. Now, we're going to go through the rest of this chapter. I'm going to do it quickly. We've got a few minutes. But I'm going to ask you to... Buckle your seatbelt and hang on because some Christians have never read this, never taken time to understand what Paul is saying here. I'm going to walk you through it quickly. So look at verse number 24. What happens when we reject truth? When people reject truth, when families reject truth, when a society rejects truth, what happens? You see, there are consequences. There are consequences if we walk in truth. There are consequences if we reject truth. Verse 24. Therefore, because they would not acknowledge God and they replaced him with other things, therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. You see, a person or a society can reject truth and write their own moral code, but it does not change God and his truth. And I said it last week. It's a point unto man wants to die. And when we stand before God, we don't answer to God for our moral code. We answer to God for his moral code. His truth. Now look at verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up. He released them. He said, okay, you want to go down that rabbit hole? You want to go deeper and darker and wipe me out? Fine. I'm going to release you. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions for even their women exchange the natural use for what is against nature likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another 
men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. I'm old enough, and I'll tell you how old I am. I was in junior high and high school in the 60s and the 70s, so I'm not as old as you thought there for a minute. And I remember, I remember the hippie movement. How many, how many old hippies do we have in the house? Huh? Okay, we've got a few back here. I remember the whole hippie thing. I, you know, I was in junior high and high school, free love, go to San If you're going to San Francisco, be sure to wear some flowers in your hair. All that kind of stuff. So I, I know some of you appreciate that too, some of you don't. But that'll be on my greatest hits album, so you can pick that up later. But I remember the whole thing of free love. And because I was raised in church, man, our preachers were pounding on it. It's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. I've watched what has evolved since that time. I want you to hear me, okay? For those of you who are young, I need you to hear me. Sex and sexuality has become an idol in our society. I don't need cheering and clapping. I just need you to listen to me. Sex and sexuality in my lifetime has become an idol in our society. When God created mankind, he made them male and female. God made two genders. I know there are a lot of confused people in our world. I know that. But God's not confused about sexuality. He's not. He's not confused about genders. I saw in the news this week, one of our school districts here in Southern California is going to be teaching our children that there are at least 10 different genders. Now, here's the thing. If you're going down the wrong road and you're wanting to replace truth, you may want to believe that. But if you know God's word, you're not going to swallow that and you're not going to go in that direction. Now, this doesn't mean we hate anybody. It doesn't mean we're angry with anybody. It just tells you this is the way God tells us to live. So we're going to let this shape our lives. And we're going to love people to try to bring them into relationship with God. But here's the other part of this. You study the Bible. I've gone through all of it. The only sexual activity God endorses in Scripture is between a man and a woman in a marriage covenant. Sex outside of that, in the eyes of God, is called adultery, fornication, and other words that the New Testament applies to it. It doesn't matter what we say in our world, it doesn't change the Word of God. But what happens to a society that replaces truth with lies? It begins a downward spiral down a rabbit hole of deception that just goes deeper and darker and deeper and darker and deeper and darker. I've watched it in my lifetime since my teenage years. America keeps going deeper and darker. Our society keeps bringing, grabbing more lies. You see it on television. You hear it in the news. You hear it in music. Everywhere you look, people are promoting a new truth. And they can do that. They have a right to do that. But we have a right to follow God. I'm not angry with people. I'm angry with the devil. He's the one that deceives people. But that's the truth of God's word. And let me go one step further. This is a little bit ahead of my series, but I, I don't hate anybody. 
Your past is between you and God. God forgives. He chooses to remember our sins no more. But you know, when God created Adam and Eve, he established the family. And I'm going to teach on family one week. God established the family. And the idea was from generation to generation, that family would teach God's word, God's truth, God's principles. And it would shape people for the future. And when God did that, God created a safe place for children to be conceived and nurtured and then born into this world. But our society today no longer protects life. Well, we we get the big argument now about the Supreme Court. You know what? I don't know what's going to happen in our country. There are all kinds of ideas, all kinds of sides to this. But I know one thing. God told us in the Old Testament, when you have decisions to make, choose life, not death. So our society is going the wrong direction. And it's following ungodliness. Because embracing one lie leads to another, and then the next, and then the next, and the next. And it devolves downward. Now, last part of this message. And some of you are saying, well, I'm glad you finally got there. Verse 29. Being filled with all unrighteousness, And I'm going to read this list slowly. Sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers. And the word here, whisperers, means... They make up lies and tell it behind people's backs. They're whispers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. How does God respond to a society that erases God's truth and believes lies? He releases them into depravity, where they can no longer distinguish right from wrong. And their life gets ever darker until judgment comes. Judgment, in some cases, comes in this life, but judgment will come when we stand before God. And in all of this, we say, well, what's going on in society? That's what's going on in today's society. But there is hope. There is truth that can change a life and set you on a pathway with God. It's there. And I was thinking late last night and this morning, there's a story in the Old Testament about Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. And he heard about what was going on in his homeland, the devastation that was left back in Jerusalem, how the walls were broken down, there was no protection, the city had been burned and just leveled. And when he heard it, his heart was broken. And Nehemiah did this. When that broke his heart, he turned and said, God, 
We've sinned. I've sinned. My people have sinned. Church, can I talk to you today? we got to get out of the anger of the world and quit yelling and screaming at people. And we got to get on our faces and say, God, there are people who lost, who are lost. We have sinned. We've turned away from you. Turn our hearts and our society and our nation back to you. We need to be praying for people that we know whose hearts have been darkened to the place where they don't even want to hear and acknowledge the truth. That's the work of the enemy in their lives. We need to be praying for those people instead of cursing them and yelling and screaming at them. We need to have the compassion that God has for those who've lost their way. And maybe today, maybe today we could stop right now Maybe you join me. I'll lead you to prayer, but you may want to make it personal. You you may want to speak some people's names before the Lord very quietly. But I want you to join me in prayer for just a moment for our society. Father, we've sinned. We have so rejected your word. It's been a gradual, slow process, but now... We've got idols in our land and people are chasing those idols and they're throwing their lives away. God, we've sinned. Please forgive us. God, I ask you to allow the Spirit of God to shine in people's hearts and begin to show us the truth. Reveal the truth that we've ignored, that we've rejected. Those darkened hearts, God, shine your light in there and let people see truth and realize that you love us, you care about us, but you did establish a pathway for our lives. And we do need to walk that pathway in relationship with you. God, change the course of our nation. Change the course of our society. Shine the light through your word and through your people. And let people's hearts be turned to you. It's time for me to finish right now. How many will give me two minutes? The Bible says if two or three agree, it'll be done. So I got two or three. How many give me five minutes? Years ago, I remember one day my mother, when she was still alive, very godly woman, she was so upset with a couple of her family members because they were making some really bad choices. And she got really upset and she was talking about it and telling me about what they'd done and what they were doing and the bad path they'd chosen. Then she got quiet and she dropped it. And later on she came back and she said, God asked me the question, now that your mom and dad are gone and not praying over their kids anymore, who's praying for the rest of the family. We need to start praying for our family members that God would shine light into their hearts. We need to start praying for our friends who are on wrong pathways. Let God work, let his spirit work. And then the last part of this message, Romans 5 verse eight says that God demonstrated his love for us while we were still on the wrong path living in sin, while we were still messed up in darkness, Christ died for us. Maybe you're here today and maybe there's a part of your life or maybe your whole life you've never submitted it to God. You've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, to become the Lord of your life. Maybe you've never asked him to let his love just shine in your life. But maybe you've listened to this today in this building or watching online. Maybe you realize, you know what? There is truth, and I need to walk in God's truth. I need to follow Jesus. I want to lead you in a prayer that will help you do that today, okay? So let's pray. Father, right now, we open our hearts to you. 
We believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died for our sins and was raised from the dead. So we choose Jesus to be our Lord, the Lord of our lives and our Savior, to deliver us from darkness and walk us into light. We ask you to receive us today and forgive us. Father, we ask you today to teach us your ways, your truth from your word so we can follow you. Free us, liberate us from the old things of the old life and help us walk into this new life in Christ. In Jesus' name, we ask it. Amen. Now, maybe today you wrapped your heart around that prayer. It's the most important prayer you can ever pray. Here's the deal. It's just the beginning of the journey. It's not the end of the journey. We want to give you a little tool, a booklet called The Next Seven Days. It'll just give you some principles to get started walking with God. When service is over, we'll have prayer teams down front. They're here to pray with anyone for any need. If you walk up to one of those teams and say, can you give me the booklet? They'll give it to you right there. No strings attached. If you're in a big rush on the way out, in the lobby, right there in the middle of the glass doors, there's a counter set up there with a screen the next seven days. You can stop by there. And again, you get it, no strings attached. We simply want to help you get started walking with God. If you're watching online, there are instructions on your screen as how you can get an electronic file, these same materials. Can we, God's people, just welcome new believers to God's family today? Now, I've got one announcement I need to make. This is family business. So, the first part's on video. I'm going to show it to you, and then I'm going to come back and share a couple things just before we go. Let's watch this together. Hey, Bridge Church. I'm here today with Pastor Nick Smith, who's our Connect Pastor. And today we've got some really exciting news to share with you. But there's also a sad side to this exciting news. So, Pastor Nick, tell us what's going on. About six months, God began stirring in our heart that we needed to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And in the last six months, God has been opening up some doors and some opportunities. And an opportunity in Tehachapi, California, has opened up for my wife and I to become lead pastors of a church. And so, Pastor Nick and Jessica will be lead pastors at? Christian Life Assembly. In Tehachapi, California. And we'll be giving you more details as the weeks come. Uh, officially, Pastor Nick is the pastor there now. So we've got a lot of transition things to figure out. We'll be giving you more details about that as time goes by. But be sure and stop and say hi to them today and let them know how much you love them and appreciate them. They're going to be around in and out a few more weeks, uh, but they've been a great asset to our church. We're going to miss them, but we know God's going to use them to build a great church in Tehachapi, California. So, it's, it's, it's exciting news, but it's sad news. Nick is actually there preaching today because he's the pastor and they don't have any other pastor. So he's there preaching today. He's going to be back and forth some over the next month or the next several weeks. Jessica's going to be back and forth. Jessica helped with worship today. They've been an amazing asset to our church. When they came on board... Nick told me, he said, I feel God's called me to be a, a lead pastor, a senior pastor. But it's not quite time. And so I told him, we're going to teach you what we know, show you a little different church system, let you learn from that, and then God will open the next door. But I told him when they came, I said, Nick, I, got, I have to have three years. Promise me three years. He said, okay. Uh, as of last Thursday, 
think it was Thursday, Thursday. They were here four years. So they went beyond what they promised. God opened the door. He's going to be pastoring a great church. So we're so happy for them. But their whole family is going to leave a hole in our, in our, in our hearts. But we're going to have a Sunday, the first Sunday of October. Nick will be here for sure. We're going to be able to say goodbye to them and let Nick share that day. So uh, keep them in your hearts. Keep them in your prayer. Nick is back and forth. He's still got a house to sell here. And we all know it's a great time to be selling a house, okay? So uh, keep them in your prayers. God will work out all the details. We love and appreciate them so very much. So if you would this morning, stand to your feet. God bless you. We love you. We'll be giving you more details in the weeks to come about all the transition this time. Have a great Sunday.